Welcome to the All of Life podcast from Redemption Church Tempe, where we have conversations on faith, culture, theology, and beyond to help us live all of life, all for Jesus. Let's jump into today's episode. Welcome everyone to the All of Life podcast. I'm Jim Mullins. I'm one of the pastors here at Redemption Tempe. I'm sitting with another one, our youth pastor, Mark King. Hey guys. You, he's my favorite uh, verb named person. <laughs> um, and, uh, and we have been having some discussions about dating and wisdom that we wish we had and future generations have. And uh, we thought we would just turn on the mics and make a podcast out of it. So Mark, tell us what we're talking about today. Yeah. So we're going to be talking about dating. Um, and as the youth pastor, this is a, it's a big topic. It's pretty much the only topic yeah. that you have to be able <laughs> yeah, to answer. That's right. Um, and even with like, um, like our young adults and the people within our church who are single, this is, it, it's huge. And I've been trying to dive deeper into this subject. And the one thing that has been kind of grinding my gears about it is there's a lot of good wisdom around dating, but I want to know, like, give me the practical stuff on dating. Yeah. And I think that there's like a tension there where it's like, Hey, I don't want to come off legalistic. So we're not going to tell you like this is how you should date as a Christian, yeah. which is wise. Um, mm-hmm. But, but we're going to try anyway. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I do think that like there, there's an aspect of it where it's like, man, we, we need some more practical information on how to date, how to engage in dating when we're dating how should we interact with the person we're dating um, in order to reflect Christ to the person that we're dating and also to the people who are seeing our relationship. Mm. And it seems like once we get into the relationship, it's like, okay, I've have all these lofty ideas. I need to guard their heart. I have to guard my heart. What does that even mean? Mm-hmm. And like, how do we go about this? Should our dating look different than Mm-hmm. the way that the world views dating and how they date. And if so, give us some practicality of how we go about that. Yeah. Because I don't see that anywhere. Yeah. And we've had conversations and you have thought about this mm-hmm. and you've thought about the practical side of it. Mm-hmm. So that's why I was like, man, I want to get you on here and just ask you a bunch of questions and get your thoughts. And not that I don't think you'd ever take the position of like, hey, if you don't date the way that I think you should date, that you're in sin. Yeah. But I think that you've thought about this deeply. You have a lot of wisdom. A lot of probably what we're going to talk about is biblical Mm -hmm. ways of viewing relationships. Mm -hmm. And so it's really good for us to understand that. But then also, um, you've been married for how long? Coming up on 18 years. 18 years. So you have quite the resume of how to handle a relationship. Mm -hmm. And so just drawing off of that wisdom. And as you look back, what, what are like the practical things that, um, high schoolers need to know about dating Mm -hmm. young adults and any other person who's single, who is looking to get into a relationship with somebody. And so, um, I think it'd be helpful if we just start Mm -hmm. off with like big picture, like what's the purpose and design for relationships and then try to 
get as practical in this podcast as we can. Mm-hmm. Um, and hopefully nobody hears us trying to be legalistic about how you should date. And that if you don't do everything that we've talked about on this podcast, that you're sinning somehow, Yeah. but just trying to give wisdom and practicality surround around relationships and dating. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Cool. Let's do it. Yeah, dude. So here's first question. What is God's purpose and design for relationships? Yeah. So big picture. I mean, this is going to sound like the churchiest answer the world has ever seen, but it is so true and so profound if we press into it Hmm. that the purpose of all of life, including relationships, is what Jesus said is the greatest commandment, to love God with everything we have Hmm. and to love our neighbor as ourself. And any relationship is the arena in which we do that. Hmm. And so the no matter what the nature of the relationship is, the purpose is to cultivate a deeper love for God and experience his love and to love others who are made in his image well. And as we do that, we experience and encounter the love of God. Hmm. So big picture, I think that's what it is. I think that there, where it gets tricky with people, because I think a lot of people would easily affirm that if you're following Jesus. Yeah is that that there are different types of relationships. Hmm. And often with dating, you get confused about the nature of that relationship, primarily because the Bible doesn't talk a lot about dating. A yeah. lot of it was arranged marriages yeah. and stuff like that. And so we're kind of flying into territory that the Bible doesn't speak directly to. Yeah. But it can. there are implications throughout Scripture for it. So, I mean, if I can give uh, the types of relationships, at least three of them, that are all good, Mm -hmm. but we got to know how you're supposed to act in those. So one is transactional relationships. It's based on mutual exchange. And this is good. Like a lot of times people will bemoan transactional relationships. Yeah. We are supposed to have transactional relationships. Like if you go to... Um, the store, um, it should be transactional. I'm going to give you money. Yeah. You're going to give me milk. Hmm. Um, like I don't need to, to like come home and ask the person I bought the milk from like <laughs> how their soul is doing. Are they okay? Yeah. Like, yeah. um, we don't need to cultivate time and intimacy together. Yeah the nature of that relationship and how it's a loving relationship is that I am fairly paying mm-hmm. for something and they are providing a good product and service. And that is good. Yeah. Right. So that relationship is good because you're both meeting one another's needs yep. in a very specific way Yep. where you need my money to run your business and I need the milk so that my kids can Right. Have a full belly. Right. Exactly. So I'm going to give, um, I think I'm going to walk through all three and then we're going to ask like, what is uh, the best one for dating? Right. Yeah. Um, I think actually just off, just in case no one understands, I want to rule this one out. (laughs) Transactional. Yeah. Yeah. But a lot of people approach it that way. Yeah. They say, look, I, if you can give me something, some like, good feeling Mm -hmm. and fun time and uh, 
physical affection. Mm -hmm. I'm going to give you physical affection. And then we get married and then I'll help provide for this. And you help provide for that. You meet my emotional needs. I meet yours. And it's this transaction of here's what I'm paying. Here's what you're paying. And while transactional relationships are good, when it's taken into dating and then further into marriage, that can be very detrimental way of viewing relationships. Yeah. And I think it's exacerbated by, um, the prevalence of online dating, hmm. which I don't necessarily think is a bad thing, but the nature of it invites you to view humans as products. Yeah. How so? You move from Amazon okay. where you're looking at the the characteristics of whatever this product is hmm. to another website or another app. And it's virtually the same thing. You're shopping for another human hmm. to meet your needs. It doesn't have to be approached that way. Yeah. And I think that what you said right there is key about viewing dating from a transactional standpoint is really important that when you view it that way, it's about meeting your needs. Mm -hmm. It's not about giving yourself over to somebody else. It's about what can I get? How can you meet my needs? Yeah. That is, if, if they hear anything, that was the one thing that I was like, that is really important. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, how absurd would it be if if there was a dating store, a physical store where human beings were sitting on shelves <laughs> and you're like, yeah, that one seems like a good brand. It would be ridiculous yeah. and demeaning. Totally. But most of our shopping They're has like moved online. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 It's our shopping has moved online. Yeah. And it's our store hmm. is essentially that. Now, yeah. Right. So the second we just t- talked a lot of uh, we, we we talked pretty poorly about social or like dating online right there. Yeah. But we'll probably touch on it that there can be good aspects of. Yeah. Yeah. That. Yeah, yeah. So I just don't want people to hear that. No. And like, oh, wow. We just were like ripping. No. Dating online. No, totally. Mainly just talking about the transactional nature of that relationship. It's just if you're going to date online, you just have, have to, to be. be wise and careful that the that the that the medium hmm. is not shaping the way that you approach it which it would be as a consumer yeah that's yeah. great um the second type of relationship is an affinity based relationship so okay. this is based on mutual likes mm-hmm. you know it's uh do we like the same sports hobbies same neighborhood do we like the same coffee and there's nothing wrong with this like it's fun to have people that you have mutual interest in. Like, uh, I want to watch a basketball game with someone who likes basketball, right? Um, C.S. Lewis, he says, uh, friendship is unnecessary. It's like philosophy, like art. It has no survival value. Rather, one of the things that it gives us, uh, w- one of the things it gives is value to survival. Hmm. Like, to enjoy God's world with someone who's mutually interested in the same thing. And together you're helping each other see the goodness of whatever that is. That's a good thing to have an affinity based interest, totally uh, affinity based relationship. But I think a lot of times people will view dating as affinity based mm. to say, I need to just find the person who has the most interests and hobbies and whoever that person is is the person I should date. Hmm. And I would question that. Um, No, I would go more than to question that. I would say that's not 
enough to base a relationship off of. Because here's the thing, interests change over time. And I've seen so many marriages where those interests will change Mm. and you the couple feels like they've betrayed each other um because they're like hey we used to do all these things together and now you're no longer interested in it you're breaking the nature of our relationship and so Mm. it, it will change over time and it is just not enough yeah so yeah it's great if you have some overlap and affinity yeah but it's not enough to be a foundation yeah. for dating. I heard Brandon Bellerson say this the other day that um, you should want to be with somebody who you share values with rather than interests with. Yeah. Because your values, they tend to last longer and they're, they're the thing that tend to shape your worldview. Mm-hmm. And um, your interests, I mean, you could love MMA. Mm-hmm. for a little while and then all of a sudden you're like ah, maybe i want to move on from that yeah um and if it's based off of that that interest that affinity they will shift but the values they typically stay there yeah totally yeah, yeah my wife's into a lot of boring stuff and uh yeah. it's good that i don't have to be into that yeah. <laughs> reading these <laughs> these little novels about kids getting adopted named tanner like i'm not interested <laughs> in those those books and it's and it's and it's totally fine. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right. So the next, the next uh, type of relationship is a covenant relationship, where it's based on mutual commitment. Mm. Um, and the word commitment there is strong. There is a covenant that says I am committed to whatever this thing is. Right. Yeah. And so um, the the tricky thing here is that dating doesn't speak or Bible doesn't speak a lot to dating, but mm-hmm. it does to marriage and marriage is a covenantal relationship yep. where you are committing to one another to help each other know Christ and be known to care for one another, to have and to hold till death do us part. Those mm-hmm. aren't just rituals. Those are commitments, those vows that we're saying to each other. It's a covenant before God that cannot and should not be broken. Now, here's the tricky thing with dating. Dating is not a marriage covenant. Yep. Those same commitments are not being made to each other. So where does dating fit? And I still think it falls into the realm of covenantal relationship, but it's a different covenant. It's the covenant within the church. Hmm. That um, where brothers and sisters in Christ encourage one another and spur each other on to love and good deeds and to point each other to Christ and help each other to grow in Christ. So it is, I think, dating fits within the, the covenant of God's people caring for one another and helping each other know Jesus. And it's a brother-sister type relationship. Mm. It, yeah. You're going to say, um, yeah, based off of that, mm-hmm. who should you date then? Yeah. Yeah. Well, if I, if I could just say one more thing about yeah. that and then I would love to get okay. into the, who, yeah. who you should date. Yeah. Um, so what this does for the purpose of dating, cause that was the big question there mm-hmm. is if it is framed as a brother, sister that is encouraging one another toward Christ 
And then if you get to that point where you cross into the new covenant of marriage, hmm. that's great. Yeah. If you don't get to that point, people should be should come out of dating relationships concluding, hey, we, we're not going to get married. That kind of hurts. Mm-hmm. But I feel closer to Christ after having spent this time with this person. Yeah. That so it's either you get married, yeah, or you you end it feeling drawn closer to Christ by yeah. that person. So when we're looking at the purpose of dating, you would say we should look at that through the the lens of having a covenantal relationship with that person. Yeah. Primarily. Yeah. Because we're already in a covenant through the blood of Jesus. Yep. Where does the transactional and the affinity play into the way that we view relationships? Are they important at all um, as like secondary um, views of relationships? Or is it like, hey, all that really matters is that you are seeking the covenantal relationship and the transactional and affinity types of relationships, they don't really matter that much to to dating. Great question. I think affinity is fun and good, but it's icing on the cake. Okay. Um, and it's probably helpful that if you if you have a few things that you enjoy both doing together, that's going to be a helpful thing. That's a good thing. But just don't base a lot on it because um, those things can change. But, mm-hmm. yeah, that's good, right? Yeah. Uh, transactional, mm, it's possible if that person is like your – realtor that you're dating <laughs> or, or, you know, you're, you know, you have some sort of other relationship, mm-hmm. but I don't think that there should be the, I'm going to provide this physical affection for you. If you provide this sort of thing for me, I, I, I just don't think that's the nature of the dating relationship because mm-hmm. dating is aiming towards marriage. marriage. Um, and trans- transactionality in marriage is poisonous. Gotcha. Yeah. So primarily you're looking through the lens of covenant and then affinity is the icing on the cake. That's what makes it even sweeter. Yeah. If you have overlapping interests, transactional, that's where like the poison starts getting put into the cake. And yeah. that's how you start to view yeah. it. Um, and it goes the other way around too. Because if you require of your realtor the same commitments of uh, someone in marriage, that's going to be a distorted relationship. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's a great point. Um, There's some advice for you guys who are shopping for a house right now. Um. (laughs) (laughs) To have and to hold until death do us part. (laughs) Um, So we've already talked about this, but I would like to go a little bit more into the weeds of it. Oh yeah. Who should, who should you date? Yeah. So I, my biggest conviction yeah. is that most people are asking the wrong questions. Mm. They're putting way, way more um, weight onto things that aren't that important. Mm-hmm. Uh, do we have the same hobbies? What are the physical features of this, this person? Is there the spark? Mm. Like people just spend a ton of time on that and spend so little time on the most uh most important things. So I'd give people like five questions to ask that each draws out a certain important thing. Okay. The first one is character. Hmm. Now notice I didn't say, is this person a Christian or not? 
Yes, you should date someone who's a Christian. Yeah. Let me be clear. Yes. But that is such a like weak, like bottom, uh, putting the, like such a low standard yeah. uh, of not just, is this person yeah. someone who would say that they're a Christian? Yeah. Well, even that I think is actually really important because the, I think that there are some people who are Christians who would be like, uh, I think that like dating a Christian is optional. Yeah. But when you understand that dating is through the lens of the covenant right. and it's meant for marriage, and you look at scripture and you look in second Corinthians, it talks about how you should marry only those who are in the faith. Yeah. And so why would we want to date somebody if we know there's not a chance of marriage? Yep. Is this just like missional dating? Like I'm trying to convert you to be a Christian. Like yeah. that seems like a dangerous route to take. Absolutely. If you're trying to convert somebody by dating them. Absolutely. And so if our and, lens. And that, that can drift into transactional yes, type dating. Yeah. Like I'm going to date you if you become a Christian. Right. Um, but if our, if our lens is through the covenantal and for marriage, mm-hmm then it would be wise to only date people who are Christians because we should, biblically speaking, only be marrying Christians. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I I do think that's really clear. Let's be super clear on that. Yeah. Absolutely. But because that is true, I Mm -hmm. think some people get it and they take a mindset. And if this is a little too crass, then it is what it is. Sure. But the mindset people have is, I need to find the most attractive person who would be willing to have sex with me, who also will check off the box of Christian Mm. without asking the question of character. Yeah. Right. And so that's why I think character is the big question. And the, the question really is, is this person growing in the fruit of the spirit? Yeah. And so, so the, the question is assuming this person's a Christian. Yes. It's what type of Christian are you? Yeah. What what is the, character that you have within your belief. Right. And and not just the static character. Yeah. But are they growing toward Christ? Yes. Cuz it doesn't mean you have to find the perfect person who does who's flawless and doesn't um doesn't ever get angry and those sorts of things, but is the fruit of the spirit growing and increasing measure? Or is the trajectory moving toward Christ? Mm. Cuz you could have a very nice person. Mhm who isn't moving toward Christ. Yeah. And over time, that that drift is going to become a pretty serious thing. Mm. Or you can have someone who's who is growing and repenting and bringing things into the light. So I think asking the question of, you know, is there does this person are they growing in things like um like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. It doesn't mean that they have to be 100% on all of those. That's yeah. only Jesus. Yeah. But is there fruit growing on that tree and mm. is it a healthy tree? Because sometimes, you know, you can see a tree yep. that's dead. But uh, it looks alive. But it looks alive. It's got yeah. some leaves on it and everything. But if over time... There won't be fruit on that tree, but a tree that's producing fruit is alive. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And that's huge to see their growth with Christ because somebody could have gone to, gone to church their entire life, claim that they're a Christian 
and yet are dead inside. Mm -hmm. But they would claim that they're a Christian and their track record would prove that I'm a Christian. Yep. But the character isn't lining up with the belief of um, what they're saying. Yeah. And it's the evidence of the Spirit's work yes. in their life. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's a big one. And I think, again, the ability for someone to see a problem in their life, repent, address it, go to Jesus, and to grow, mm -hmm. like that cannot be under, that cannot be overstated for how important that is. Yeah. Um, the second one, so you, the first one's character. Second one is trajectory. Is your life heading in a similar direction? Doesn't have to be the exact same direction, but um, are is the trajectory? If one person wants to move to the poorest place in town um, and uh, live amongst the poor and serve the poor, and the other person is wanting to to be in the marketplace and move to San Francisco and those sorts of things, uh, maybe that's not a similar trajectory. Yeah, especially like missions, overseas missions. Doesn't mean everyone has to be fully committed to whatever, but is there a similarity? Like, is there an openness to it? Mm -hmm. Because if it's heading in a similar direction, as you eventually get married, you can make decisions as one together. And there's less of that just drama, friction. Yeah. So how do you view that as a high schooler? Like, yeah. Because they don't, their, their future is pretty uncertain. So how should they be thinking about the trajectory of the person that they want to date? Well, I think this happened a lot when I was in high school. So I became a believer and then was like a part of the youth group for like one and a half years and was just like, what is going on? Like it's <laughs> trying to figure all of it out. Yeah. But I loved it. But there were like two people who were going to different colleges on the other side of the world. Mm. And they just, it was heartbreaking for them. Yeah. Um, they just put themselves through some serious pain that they didn't necessarily need to do. Mm. And I think somewhat for high schoolers, I would just hold it, all of it loosely, because you don't even know the trajectory of your life. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I do think that that's, uh, that's probably how I would think of it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the third one is wise counsel. What do other trusted people say? Hmm. Most people assume that they are the expert about judging the health of this relationship. And if it's good, you're mm. not. Hmm. It's the trusted, wise people around you who are looking into your life. Hmm. Arranged marriages are just as successful as dating marriages. That seems wild. To that say seems that. wild. But it makes sense because... You have people who care about you and want the best for you and aren't clouded by infatuation mm. and um, that they should have a very loud voice in your life. And one other caveat with that is there is a way of seeking advice from people who will tell you whatever you want to hear. Yeah. Avoid that. Yeah. Go to people who will tell you the truth and who are wise and life has proven good decision making. Yeah. Who would some of those wise people be would that be like would that be somebody who's older than you who has maybe been in a longer relationship than you is it just like your friends that are on the peripheries that are like they're somewhat in your relationship is it just your best friend who maybe has like had 15 relationships that they end up getting broken up with every single time like who are the wise people mm. that you should be seeking 
Yeah. I would say put the weight on people who are older than you and have more experience than you, Mm -hmm. um, who have a track record of good decision making. Um, so person who's been divorced three times or, you know, has chaotic relationships, uh, maybe not the best person, right? Yeah. Uh, definitely not the best person. Um, actually it could be because they know all the mistakes. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But, but has there been a posture of like learning from that? So, yeah, I would say again, and going back to the fruit of the spirit, do you see that in those people's wives? I Hmm. think it's good to have some people who are older than you, some people who are similar age, and it can be also really helpful if there are people who know both you and the person that you're dating Mm -hmm. and can speak into that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so the next one would be friendship. Yeah. Um, and essentially the first part of that is, does this person have healthy friendships? Interesting. This is going to be the best indicator of the, their ability to have healthy relationship with you. Yeah. Because as you're dating, everyone's putting on, uh, whether you want to or not, you're kind of trying out, you're giving your best, you're putting up forward your best face. And, um, but if you have healthy friendships, it's an indicator of one's ability to have good, healthy relational skills. And also those healthy relationships down the road, should you get married or should you run into some challenges with dating? Those are going to be anchors for you that Mm. keep, that really help you through the tough times. Yeah. What are, like one or two indicators that somebody has a healthy relationship with their friends. Yeah. Um, can they handle conflict? Well, mm. that draws each other. The conflict draw that creates a depth of friendship rather than ends of friendship. Mm-hmm. If someone's just ending, cutting people out of their life after every conflict, that's a red flag. Mm. So there's that. And, I think a second one would be, um, is there a a degree of candid truth telling? Mm. Maybe the best word would be kind candor, Mm. where there's a truth telling, but it comes with with kindness. Those would be two indicators. Yeah, that's good. um, I'm going to answer my own question. Yeah, bro. Off of those two things, I think one thing that is really important is when – they're hanging out with their friends and one of their friends leave. Do they start talking badly about that friend? Oh, so good. You know? Yeah. Like then you start to realize like, oh, wow, it seems like you don't actually have a good relationship with these people because you're so willing to talk badly about them behind their back. Yeah. Which means that when you're leaving, they're probably talking bad about you Mm -hmm. behind your back. And that just causes this, whether it's subconscious, this, uh, this distrust within your relationships. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think the second part of the friendship thing is kind of a fun thought exercise. Okay. Is as you're dating someone asking the question, is this the type of person that I would want to be friends with at the age of 70? Hmm. And here, here's why it prioritizes friendship and relationality over sexual attractiveness because every 70 year old 
is not attractive. I mean, there may be a few or something like yourself. that. When I'm uh, 70, yeah, I plan yeah. on looking good. Yeah, okay, there you go. <laughs> well, you you may be, actually. But here's what I'll say. It's not as good as you're looking right now. So, <laughs> so, so here's the deal. That a lot of times people get caught up in the infatuation of the attractiveness of the person and it clouds their vision of it. Yeah. But the, it's such a bad thing to build a foundation off of because should you get married, uh, like it's all downhill from there. Like everyone's getting older and eventually going to be a dead person or an old person. Hmm. So do you, who do you want to be with when you're an old person yeah. and, uh, and you're both sagging and wrinkled and all of that, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so the affinity part of the relationship does matter at some level. Because you're thinking about, well, seven, 50 years from now, would I still want to be around this person? Yeah, but I would say, uh, like you mentioned before, it's the the values, mm. not the like hobbies and interests, uh, because definitely those will have changed. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, who knows what we'll be doing in when you're 70 and yeah. like you're you're probably not skydiving or water skiing. Yeah. When you're 70. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Unless you like to like play, you know, pickleball now, like yeah. maybe that transcends. <laughs> That's Austin uh, and Kinsey Harris. They're they, gonna they're gonna kill it when they're seventy. Right, right, totally. Uh, but the relationality of does this person know me? Do I know them? Do they mm. help me know Jesus? Do they speak truth? Is there a pleasantness in our uh, interaction mm. with one another that will transcend? Um, how many wrinkles are on your skin? That's great. Yeah. So friendship, uh, the next one would be uh, suffering and hardship. Asking the question, has this person been through hard things? And the answer is all, always yes. Yeah. Everyone's been through hard things. Yeah. And how did they handle those things? Like that is a true indicator of characters, who you are in the midst of, of hardship. And it's... It creates good discussion points for what is life going to be like with you in the future when we in an inevitably face hardship. Doesn't necessarily mean that like everyone has to have like cool, calm composure through every hard thing. Like, but do they lament the hard things and and bring them to God? Yeah. Do they acknowledge when things are hard? Do they? Uh, is there a degree of perseverance and endurance do they cling to something else uh substances or um gossip or whatever and and that and that's an important thing to discuss and to explore in dating um and then the last couple one would the conflict resolution how does this person handle conflict? I just mm -hmm. think it's the most important skill that you can cultivate for marriage yeah. or for any relationship. Yeah. And then you're going to have to resolve some conflict when you get married. That's for sure. For sure. Yeah, for sure. And the problem isn't how do we avoid conflict? Yeah. The problem is how do we move through it mm. in a way that honors Jesus, loves one another and draws us closer to each other and God. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Um, I was thinking about this because one of the questions that w we talked about was the friendship aspect that you like 
you should be asking that question. Like, is this somebody who I would want to be with when I'm 70? Does this person have healthy friendships? And you hear a lot, like the person that you should be, that you should date is a Christian Mm -hmm. and also should be your best friend. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts on that? Should you only be dating the person who is your best friend starting off? What about online dating? You're not best friends with that person. Should you go on dates with that person? Should you just, is it okay to like ask out the pretty girl at church as she's walking your car and you're like being a stalker and trying to ask her out and get her number, but she's not your best friend either. How do we think through that dynamic about dating our best friend? Does that mean that, man, you need to find a good group of people and hope that there's a girl in there that is a Christian and that you're attracted to and you guys can be become friends before you start dating? What do you think about that? Yeah. Well, it's interesting. So that idea of dating your best friend or mm-hmm. being married to your best friend, I think that comes from at some point someone is searching for the right language to discuss, to describe how much they love and care for this person and the nature of the relationship. Hmm. And they use the word, she's like my best friend. Yeah. Because they're searching for ways to describe it. But then over time, that becomes codified as this rule of like, you should date your best friend. You should be. I think best friend is too low of a form of relationship. Really? To describe what a marriage is. But in our attempts to describe it, um, we... um, we, we reach for things like like best friend. And so I don't think there's anything wrong with using that as a descriptor. Sure. Right? Um, I heard a comedian recently talking about, like, how his wife was bemoaning how he was having, like, a good time with all of his friends. Yeah. And uh, he was like, all my friends are comedians. <laughs> They're funner than you. <laughs> they, they make jokes. You make lists. You know? Um, and and I think that's a kind of a lot of pressure to even put on a marriage too of like that your wife is going to be your funnest hang. Yeah. You know, so I don't even know if that's the best term and that's not to diminish the role of uh, of a f- best friend, but it's just to say uh, a covenantal relationship of marriage is actually so much higher, better mm. than a best friend. So it doesn't really matter the format is what you're saying of who you should be looking to date. Like it doesn't matter if you're meeting them on Christian Mingle or ah. or if you're chasing them down in the parking lot at church or they've been <laughs> in your friend group for three years. You know, I think it's you're going to connect with people in – a variety of different ways. Um, the importance is that in the, that relationship that there is some cultivation of friendship. Yeah. But they don't have to be your best friend before you marry them. Yeah. How important is that cultivation of friendship in dating? I think it's important. Yeah. Um, How important though? I would say... Um, I would put it under character, un- under wise counsel, okay, 
under suffering and hardship and probably above traje- trajectory and on par with conflict resolution. Okay. Yeah. So it's not the highest thing to be looking for in the person that you're dating that you would say there's criteria that's even more important than that. Very much so. Okay. But it's important. Yeah. Like, do, think about it. If you're going to be with this person for the rest of your life, do, do you enjoy being around them? Yeah, you want to like them. Yeah. Yeah. But they don't have to be your, your like, best bud. Yeah. You know, where you play, like, NBA 2K together. And hmm. you need – actually, I'll go further. I'll mm-hmm. say, make a stronger statement. You need other friends. Yeah. You need best friends who can bear some burdens with you and help you um, in your marriage and in all of life. Cause there are certain things that it's better to talk about with them. Yep. Uh, than your, than your wife. Yeah. Right? That makes me, yeah. I'm curious. How do you manage those friendships when you start dating somebody? Because it's really important to have friendships outside of the person that you're dating. Right. Mm-hmm. But what it seems like can happen is you start dating this person and then all of your friendships start to fade away and now you just become in this isolated relationship with this person and the friendships that maybe even like help support you get to that point and have been with you for a while, they start to fade off. So how do you manage those relationships, those friendships while you're in a new relationship and you're starting to date somebody? Yeah. Well, I think it's foolish to let that happen, to, mm-hmm. to have those other friendships diminish uh, and have it only be about that one person. I think the biggest thing is so often we get into this mindset of addition and subtraction. What do I need to add to my life? What do I need to take out of my life versus integration? Hmm. So um, do things with the person you're dating along with your other friends. And that's a way healthier way to date. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, and keep making time for those other friends. Yeah. So a way to manage those friendships is to make sure that you are intentionally seeking out those friends and also integrating this new relationship into those relationships, Mm -hmm. into those friendships, which even gives those people the perspective and the insight into your relationship. Absolutely. And that's huge, right? That like we have other people who are supporting our relationship and have eyes on our relationship mm-hmm. and can care for us. Yep. Um, because even when you get married, I mean, you're in front of your friends and your family saying like, Hey, you guys are a part of this marriage. Mm-hmm. You guys have to support us at some level mm-hmm. because we're going to need your support. Yeah. And so having that in dating is really important. And you, you mentioned something that I'm so excited to talk about this because mm-hmm. I love this, but you we're touching on like how we should date. Mm-hmm. You have this idea. It's your contrarian's guide to dating. <laughs> Man, I would love for you to share. What is that? What is the contrarian's guide to dating? How should we date? Yeah. Well, first of all, I would say that the way people approach dates, what they do when they're dating is that they're being mutually entertained together Hmm. that they're having fun going to movies dinner and that's good i think like do some of that fine like 
But that's not real life, and that's not how you get to know somebody. Hmm. If the aim, is, the trajectory is marriage one day, yeah, dude, marriage is so easy if all you do is like watch movies and eat at restaurants oh, and you know, never you, have to do the dishes, never have to do the <laughs> dishes, and you just like go uh, do fun things all the time. Um, like, what are uh, what are like around here the most common? Dates that people go on. Postinos. Postinos. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Life is not postinos. No. I wish it was, though. So I take that bruschetta board every single day. Yeah. Right. Right. Uh, So life is not that. And so maybe instead of having a face-to-face dating, especially at first, have more of a shoulder-to-shoulder dating relationship. And that means go do some things together that connect to real life. Examples would okay. be um, go serve somebody together. How cool of a date would it be that says, hey, we have $50. Let's dream up how we can go like bless somebody huh. together. Uh, instead of having that Postino's date, make some bruschetta and then Go, go have a meal with some homeless folks and bring them your bruschetta, right? Mm-hmm. Um, another thing would be like make something together. Like if build a bench uh, or uh, fix something or, you know, where you're mutually shoulder to shoulder doing something, um, go on a hike, babysit some kids, uh, spend time with each other's friends, mm-hmm. um, do the types of things that are real life sort of things, whereas shoulder to shoulder, real character comes out hmm. because the face to face is often approached kind of like a job interview where you're just putting on your best face yeah. and giving the best answers and whatnot. But shoulder to shoulder is brother, sister, Christ follower hmm. type of relationship. Yeah. And uh, that stays kind of in that covenantal yeah. Mindset. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think sometimes what happens, the way that we date creates a relational narcissism to where our marriage is only about us and mm. we're only focused on us. And so it's important to be focused on one another. But in being brought together, God is blessing you and making you a blessing to others. And so um you can get sort of conditioned yeah to not be uh generous yeah. and hospitable and serving others yeah how do you feel like let's say w- we do this mm-hmm. right start dating shoulder to shoulder we're not doing the face to face format how does that help me get to know that person when i could sit across the table from you and you could just tell me everything about you and I could tell you everything about myself. I feel like I could get to know that person better because you're telling me about yourself rather yeah. than being shoulder to shoulder. How do you get to know somebody? Yeah. Like that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, because I can tell you that I'm humble. <laughs> yeah. I can tell you <laughs> that I am good at solving problems. Um, but. Let's actually do that and experience that together. Hmm. Um, Does, you know, um, yeah, 
to, there's different ways of knowing. There's a cognitive left brain type of knowing where it's I hear or can affirm a statement. Mm -hmm. And then there's the type of knowing in your bones, in your experience, in real Mm -hmm. life. And I think you want to know who this person is in real experience. Now, it's not to say like, you know, you're building some Ikea furniture and you're like, oh, we'll see the way that they twisted that uh, (laughs) bolt, fail, move on to the next one. Yeah. Um, But there will be certain things that will come out. Does that person need to like justify every little mistake that they make and show you why it's not um, that. And and again, you're not trying to, to, to like scrutinize and eliminate and those sorts of things. I just, there's a way of knowing people mm-hmm. by doing real life stuff that doesn't come from sitting and watching a movie together. Yeah. Yeah. You get to see, you get to see the depth of the person Yeah, when you're interacting with them. And just thought of this question. Um, what what would be the difference of the experience with somebody as you're serving compared to an experience where it's just for entertainment? Like how do you get to know a person differently while you're experiencing um, serving with them r- rather than going to like um, Antelope Canyon? and walking through the cool canyon and experiencing that with them. How do you get to know the people differently? Yeah. So I think both of them could be good. Yeah. Right. Um, in Antelope Canyon, what you're seeing about the person is do they have the ability to delight in the wonder of God's creation? Mm-hmm. And maybe even Antelope Canyon isn't the thing. There might be some other way of, of doing that. Um, when you're serving, uh, you're you're seeing is has this person been shaped by the self-giving love of Christ, and that has created a posture in them to to love and serve others. Things like the fruit of the spirit, self-control, mm-hmm. gentleness, patience, those cannot be. You can't f- explain those things as much as they have to be known and seen and experienced. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that, that would be my, my first thing. Also, there's a practical thing here is, um, if you are, if you're like making a meal for a homeless person mm-hmm. or building or whatever, you're probably less likely to just like, make out and like <laughs> cross sexual boundaries <laughs> next to the homeless dude. So yeah. uh, <laughs> there's a practical function yeah. to it. Yeah. That's funny. or yeah. So anyway, no need to belabor that. Yeah. Well, well, well I want to get to that in a minute. Um, but how did, it seems like I love the idea of shoulder to shoulder while you're dating I think the, like, once in a while, like, you need to go on a date and cultivate some of, like, the romantic part of dating, right? For sure. But, man, in marriage, I I hardly ever get time to go cultivate the romantic part of my marriage 
And we have to fight for that. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got to put that in the schedule and you got to tell everybody, do not ask me anything mm-hmm. on Friday nights yep. because I'm going on a date with my wife. Yep. Every other moment in our marriage, it's serving. Mm-hmm. It's serving one another. Mm-hmm. She's cooking. I'm doing the dishes. Luke is crying. So I'm changing his diaper. Lola's ripping the plants out. And now you're trying to take care of that. And you're just constantly giving yourself to your family, to your wife, to your church, to your community, to your work. You're serving with each other over mm-hmm. and over and over again. Mm-hmm. And in dating, I feel like we miss that so much mm-hmm. that this shoulder to shoulder aspect, I think actually brings about not only like this is what life is actually like, mm-hmm. but this is really what marriage is like. Mm-hmm. And if our goal is to marry this person and Mm -hmm. to be in this covenant with this person, this seems like the best way to imitate that. So true. And so to me, when you told me this the first time, I was like, this is amazing. And I'm glad that I was married by that time, because Mm -hmm. I think if I would have implemented this when I was dating Christy, she probably would have been like, this guy I don't know if I want to serve with this guy. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. I'm glad that uh, I found out after I was married. Yeah. Um, and, it's and, and I think what you're drawing out is is right, that it's not an either or. Yeah. It's just that the shoulder to shoulder stuff never even makes it into people's mind as an option. Yeah, totally. I mean, the, the closest thing that you get to that is, hey, we should hang out with our friends. Mm-hmm. And that's mainly just so like, we don't go too far. Mm-hmm. So we're not alone in the room mm-hmm. together. We mm-hmm. have friends around, but it, there's not an intentionality of like, no, we want to have you integrated into our friendships to maintain these friendships mm-hmm. and also to see what real life is like and how do you interact with other people? How do you interact with your friends? Yeah. Um, that that's huge. And also um, I've talked to a lot of people and heard their stories about how they met and they're married now. And it seems like they have a good marriage and it seems like a lot of those people the way they end up meeting is they were serving in some aspect together. Mm-hmm. Like I met my wife through totally. doing um, a homeless outreach. Yeah. We were going to the homeless community within Tempe and mm-hmm. we're giving them hygiene packs and trying to hear their story and share the gospel. Yeah. And I met my wife there. I mean, you met your wife in Turkey mm-hmm. um, and, and serving that community. Mm-hmm. And so it seems like people who end up meeting their wives or meeting their husbands and they started in a place where they are serving together, Mm -hmm. it seems like that produces a lot of good fruit and a lot of good relationships because right off the bat, you kind of get to know that person pretty intimately Mm -hmm. without ever having to do a face-to-face interview with them. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's, yeah, I love that idea. Um, And so- I think that's good. And if you want to find a boyfriend or a girlfriend, you should probably start re- serving at Redemption Kids. And there if you, you just started dating, yes, start serving at Redemption Kids. You're welcome, Suzanne. Yeah. Um, you know, this, single folks do uh, sometimes get kind of like, it can be annoying when they're like, all you ever do is ask me to watch kids yeah. in their relationship with yeah. older folks. Uh, with kids and that shouldn't be the only thing but dang it's a good one it's a like huge it, one yeah um i remember when my wife and i were dating we would watch her nephew 
And it was kind of funny. This kid could not look at me. If he looked at me, he would start crying. So we had to like angle him in different parts of the room so that like I was not even seen by this guy. I don't know what it was, but, uh, but you know, it created this fun, like funny memory yeah. of like, what do you do when a kid is just terrified of the bearded man? Yeah. Um, can I say one thing? Yes. This is something that I just think is. Important. So we've talked about all these ways of dating. Yeah. Right. I think that this generation, mm-hmm. and it's it started more with my generation, but it's accelerated, has so much pressure oh, from society. Yes. That is built from this idea that you are crafting your perfect identity. So you get the perfect job, the perfect spouse, you live in the perfect place, and that there's one perfect thing that's made for you. And if you miss it, you've ruined your life. Yeah. One is just to be, feel the freedom to say, okay, that's not true. There are many people you could end up marrying. How do you know that you're with the one after you've said, I do now, you know, that's the one, Hmm. but beyond that, there's a lot of different people. Yeah. And so I would say like focus less on the things that aren't as important focus more on the things that we've talked about. And if you find someone who's living into a lot of that and moving toward Jesus and you've spent some time together and you really know these things, just get married to that person. Hmm. Don't overthink it. Yeah. Like, and then when you get married, don't stop the intentionality at the dating, Hmm. but keep that intentionality forever because things like intimacy and, uh, oneness and uh and deep care and knowing one another those are not chemistry spark things Mm. those are things that are cultivated intentionally and deepen over time but so often people are looking for chemistry and spark yeah and whatever these dumb words were that emerged in the romantic era Mm -hmm. that um mimic the intimacy that will will be cultivated through intentionality in marriage yeah yeah man that's really good it there is a high pressure that i feel like a lot of singles feel um from high school to 40 years old about man if i don't find the right person Mm -hmm. that you know i'm i missed out Mm -hmm. and there's so much pressure in that. And then to even add to that pressure is all the different ways that you can start dating somebody, mm-hmm. you know, like we have this buffet of ways to get to know people and mm-hmm. start dating them. And it, it cripples you because you go, okay, well, if I'm dating online or I have, you know, 400 girls at my high school mm-hmm. to choose from, or I have, 60,000 people at ASU to choose from or whatever it is, whatever the format is, there's so many different ways to start dating somebody that the, the buffet style of, well, who do you want to date? What platform do you want to meet them at? Like that can be paralyzing as well because you have so many different decisions to Mm -hmm. choose from. And okay, what if I go to social media 
and yet I'm not going to the church to find the person, and mm-hmm. I miss the person because they were at church and not mm-hmm. online. Or the other, or if, what if they were the other service? Yeah, or if they're at the wrong service. I go to the nine, but they're at the eleven. Yeah. What if it's not at my high school, but it's at the other high school? Yeah. Um, or what if it's not the girl at um, ASU, but the girl who serves at Postinos? Yeah. Like, there's so many options. Or the guy. Um, it feels like it's easier to talk about girls because we're guys, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, there's just so many options that that can become paralyzing as well. Not only is there a lot of pressure to find the right one, but all these different platforms to find that right mm-hmm. one. It's like the cheesecake factory. Yeah. You know, there's so many options. Oh my gosh. It's that it's so stressful to choose where you'd be way better off just going to in and out and saying, I got a couple, couple options here. Yeah. I'm going to go with one. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to have a great time. Yep. Cause it's a problem of our time and place throughout history and throughout most of the world. Most people, this question is not that complex of a question. It's like, who are you going to date? Well, there's three girls in my village who are like yeah. similar age. So one of them. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I have, I have a couple ones. I don't have a great transition to this, but I have a couple questions that I want to ask you Yeah, that are really practical yeah. questions. And um, this is solely your opinion. Yep. But if you could like um, stress this opinion really highly and if it could be a standard, that's, that's how I want you to answer it. Yeah. Um, so – what age should you start dating? I would say less than age. It would be more stage of life. Um, and I would say, um, now this is just me. I would say when you are at an age or, or stage of life, when you could reasonably on be on the trajectory toward marriage, mm. um, uh, emotionally, financially, um, those sorts of things. Now I would say, um, yeah, so that could come when someone's 25 could come when someone's 19, um, could come when they're 35, 40. What Um, about 14? I don't think so. Um, but here's the thing. I would look at it differently. I would say when you're that age, um, develop good, healthy friendships with, with boys and girls. Right. I was going to say men and women, but you're not a man or a woman. Right. Like, yeah, go have fun. Like go places together. Um, maybe even your column dates who, yeah, whatever. Hmm. But like cultivating that like degree of intimacy, uh, feels to me like most of the time is, kind of a fruitless endeavor that just creates the potentiality for heartbreak. Um, but Hey, I'm, I'm an old guy. I got one foot in the grave. Who, who knows? What would you say to that? Yeah. Um, by the way, it's not what I did. Okay. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Um, I, I think about this as a parent and, um, it's hard to make a hard and fast rule about this, mm-hmm. but 
just for the sake of conversation, I'm going to. Yeah. If I could, if I could set a age for my kids, I probably wouldn't let them date until they're 17 or 18. Yeah. And the reason why, and I think it does depend a lot on like, where are you at within your faith? Yeah. You know, where is like the spirit of God um, moving in your life and where is the fruit being mm-hmm. bared in your life from mm-hmm. the relationship with Jesus? That that matters a ton. Um, but I would, I think, I mean, I think the first time I dated a girl was like seventh grade and she broke up with me in like three weeks because, mm-hmm. you know, I'm in seventh grade and um, that, that doesn't produce anything besides insecurity now. Yeah. Of like, wow, this girl doesn't think I'm good enough. Yeah. What is it about me that makes me not good enough? Um, yeah. But when you, when you are a senior in high school or you just get into college, you're actually in a position where you can get married, mm-hmm. you know? Um, yeah. Matt Dressback, who he's a pastor at Redemption Gilbert. His mm-hmm. son just got married mm-hmm. and he's 19. Yeah. But what happened in his life is like, he has a strong faith in Jesus. Yeah. And the girl he started dating, I think they were 16. Mm-hmm. They were in high school, but yeah. she was in that same position. And when they started dating, it was pretty quickly where he was like, hey, dad, I'm going to marry her when I graduate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That doesn't happen nowadays. Yeah. I mean, we hear those stories and we hear the stories about people who are like, well, they were high school sweethearts and they got they got married. And it was like, yeah, back in 1950 mm-hmm. when their high school had 30 people in it. Yep. Like, yeah, that, of course that was more common because yeah. that was more of the culture. That's not our culture. Our culture is like, wait till you're 30 to get married now. Mm-hmm. And so to say that you're going to be a high school sweetheart is is not impossible. It's just way more rare now mm-hmm. than it's ever been yeah. because our culture says you don't have to get married until you're 30. Yeah. Um, and actually there's there's a lot of privileges, what our culture, culture would say, to wait to get married, mm-hmm. right? You can you can get the house, you can get the right job, you can be financially stable, you can become more mature, you can experience enough people to know who you truly want to be with. Yeah. And like, there's actually a privilege in doing that. Yeah. And I think that right now, if I wouldn't want my kids to date until they're 18, yeah. years old because now I know that like, Hey, you're in a position when, when you start dating, like you can marry the person that you're yeah. dating and that's the goal of it. And and I've heard other wise people say like, Hey, it'd be 16, 17, because I want the, them to have the freedom to date while they're still under my roof and that I can help guide them through yeah. it. And there, there can be some wisdom to that. So that makes sense to me as well. Yep. But it all kind of depends on what you mean by, by dating. Yeah. Um, but yeah. 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 Um, another question is why should we seek purity when we're dating? And then how is, how close is too close? Mm. So if you take a step back and say the nature of the relationship is within the, the covenant of being a brother and sister in Christ. Uh, the nature of that question is, why should I seek purity with my brother, <laughs> with my sister? 
You're asking the question of how far is too far with my brother or my sister. That's a pretty perverse question, that right? Is. Um, because the nature of that relationship is to point one another to Christ, mm. right? And um, and to to love one another and to honor one another. And I think what sexual wholeness does and honoring the boundaries of what is saved for marriage, which is sexual intimacy. Mm-hmm. What that does is it shows a degree of res- respecting the person as created in God's image, mm-hmm. um, honoring the way God made the world <clears throat> to work. <coughs> um, and that's the main thing, love God and love the other person. The other thing is that what happens with um, within, uh, I'm not like tearing up, I'm just kind of coughing. You think about Eliana dating, oh, well, start crying. Yeah, dude, don't let's, uh, <laughs> let's not make me have a panic attack. <laughs> um, yeah, so the other thing I was going to say with that is, that um, even just for the sake of um, what it does in distorting your even understanding of one another and the nature of the relationship, it injects like a, just a high degree of uh, emotional intimacy that should be reserved for the safety of an unbreakable covenant. Hmm. And you enter that into the relationship. And what happens when you end up rightly even breaking up? Hmm. It feels in some ways like the weight of a divorce, like oneness yep. being split into two. Yep. And is not healthy for your own soul. It's not healthy for one another. Mm-hmm. And why would you want this other person that you are called to love mm. to experience that? Man. Um, there's there, we could name 50 different reasons, but I'm trying to name a few that often don't get, um, get named. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's huge. And even like a practical side that a lot of people mention is like, there's one day that you have to stand before your husband and your wife Yeah, and share everything with them. Yeah. And they have to do the same. Yeah. And, um, I remember when I became a Christian and started thinking about like pursuing relationships and started dating, I was talking to this guy and he was like, and whether this is good advice or not, Mm -hmm. besides the point, it was really impactful for me. But he told me, he was like, Hey man, when you start dating a girl, you should be thinking if you break up and she gets married on her wedding day, you can go up to her husband and shake his hand and say, hey, I never did anything to ruin this moment. Yeah. And I was like, oh, my gosh. That's pretty powerful. Yeah, that was huge to me. And um, that, Even, even that, take it a step further. Could you sit at the table with them and share a meal with them mm. and be brothers and sisters in Christ and be able to encourage one another and have a friendship? Yeah. Like, have you dated in such a way? that you could have a friendship with that couple. Yeah, that's huge. And root for them and root for their marriage and yeah. Yeah, that 
Yeah, that's amazing. That's great advice. Um, that's a great thought. Um, but still the question mm-hmm. is how close is too close when you're dating somebody? So we, we should seek purity, but how close is too close? Like, can you kiss or should you not kiss? Mm-hmm. Can you hug? Um, can you go past kissing and can you make out? Um, mm-hmm. How far can you go? I'll tell you what we did and what I may do different with within my marriage uh, okay. or within my dating. Within my marriage, we don't have those boundaries. <laughs> so, uh, we're, after, not, we're not allowed to hug in my marriage. After, after year 10, things started to get a little serious. Uh, no. Um, so what we did is we kissed. Uh, we made out a little bit. We... we um, it was funny. One, at one point, we made a. This was kind of a dumb thing, but it'd be fun to laugh at me. We made a deal that we could only kiss while we were driving and at stoplights because it wouldn't go too far at that point. <laughs> so, uh, it, but you had a lot of people honking at you. Well, at stop signs that's and why. I, that's why I rooted for traffic. Like I would go drive around during rush hour. So, oh, <laughs> uh, and uh, no, I don't think that's great advice, by the way. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's it's what we dangerous did. dangerous to make out while you're driving. Yeah. So we kind of had, we would do that and, you know, hands needed to stay, you know. On the steering wheel. On the steering wheel. <laughs> uh, but, you know, not in the places of sexual intimacy, mm. right? In the same places that you'd feel comfortable touching a friend. Okay. Like that's a that's another dude or for her, another woman. Right. Um, so hugs, um, you know, shoulders, things like that. Um, we held hands. I wouldn't hold hands with the dude, but I wouldn't feel weird touching another guy's hands, like shaking his hand or something Mm -hmm. like that. Right. So maybe that's a a good way of thinking of it. That's kind of how we thought of it. The other looking back on it, Mm -hmm. I would flip the question and just say, um, not how far is too far, but why do you even need to have any sort of thing that is on the trajectory towards sexual intimacy? Yeah. Well, I think how most people would think about that is, well, it shows my care for them and it it helps me feel cared for and loved. And it's a way that I want to express my love and care for this person. Yeah. Brothers and sisters can care for each other in very profound ways without making out with one another. Hmm. Um, and, um, and then once you cross into that new covenant, the covenant of marriage, yeah, where that oneness is displayed through and experienced through sexual intimacy, um, and then that feels like, oh, that is, that is what that is for. But part of what we're doing often is we're saying, okay, I'm in this brother, sister covenant. Mm-hmm. Can I reach into the marriage covenant mm. and take some of the perks so I can enjoy it a little bit now? Yeah. And I won't go so far as to say that it's a sin to do like to kiss and to do things like that. I, no, like that's that would be legalistic, mm. um, hypocritical, whatever. 
But I wish I would have thought about it differently Mm -hmm. to say, why do we even need to do that? Yeah. Like, why? Yeah. I think that image of reaching your hand into the, into like uh, the benefit of the marriage relationship and trying to pull some of that into your dating experience to, um, to enjoy some of the fruit of what it means to be married is, is powerful. Yeah. It's like, you're kind of robbing your marriage with that imagery yeah. um, of like, man, you're taking things out of your marriage that um, should be reserved just for your marriage. For, for immediate gratification. For immediate gratification. Yeah. yeah. Um, I remember talking to Jake Slobodnik when um, I f- was like exploring to date mm-hmm. as a Christian and the thing that he said to me that I think is just is very wise um, was he said, if you kiss the girl that you're dating, where will it lead? Mm. And then I was like, I don't know, just just a kiss. And he was like, OK, well, better question. What's the what's the point of kissing? Mm. And I was like. Not to feel good. Yeah. Okay. And then what? Like, where is it supposed to lead? Mm-hmm. And I think I was trying to skirt the question as mm-hmm. much as I could. And I was like, yeah, kissing is meant to lead to having sex. Mm-hmm. Unless you're giving like a kiss goodbye, like nobody just starts having sex. Yeah. You, you start by kissing. Right. And then your kissing leads to you having sex. Yeah. And so that to me was like, oh, there's actually a purpose for kissing. Mm-hmm. And it, the, I'm not saying this is the only purpose of kissing, mm-hmm. but one of the big purposes of kissing is to open the door for you to become more physically intimate yeah. with the person that you're with. Yeah. And so for me, that was, that was really impactful because it gave me a new lens to look at um, why to or not to kiss somebody. Yeah. Um, and so for me, I was like, man, I, I would rather save that until I'm married because the intention of it is to yeah. become one with my wife. And you bring up a really good point because it, it, it sparks this thought that I've had before. And I've seen played out in relationships that, if your whole deal is to say, how close to the line can I get? What you're actively cultivating is these breaks and hesitancy around sexual intimacy Hmm. that can often carry into marriage. You don't want to get into the practice of saying, we need to stop. This is, this is bad. This is too far. We need to stop. We need to stop. We need to stop by getting so close to that line because that's going to shape how you view those things. And in marriage, you don't need to stop. Yeah. And you, you feel, and there's a feel like a feeling of guilt Yeah, when you're married Yeah, and you have like not only the permission of God, but God wanting you yeah. to have sex with your spouse. Yeah. And then you start getting there and then you're like, oh, I feel dirty. Yeah. Why do I feel guilty about having yep. sex with my spouse? Yeah. Because you've cultivated that in your relationship. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. And it, and it should be like said that even within marriage, that there's, that there is, uh, 
that sexual intimacy is cultivated. It's not like night one, you know, it's whatever. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, But part of what makes that difficult is the cultivation of shame and, Mm. and not going too far Mm -hmm. and all that can get associated with that. So why not let that be a marriage thing Mm. and then stay off that spectrum Maybe I'm a prudish, whatever, purity culture, <laughs> whatever. It's just uh, to ask the question, why do you need to kiss your sister? Yeah. Is uh, <laughs> something that should be a live, a live discussion. So, uh, oh, yeah, that's that's yeah. the worst picture yeah. you could give anybody. Um, all right. Last question. You got it. When should you say I love you? I don't know. <laughs> I, I, uh, I, here's the thing with that statement. That's a very American statement, like that it's the most important statement that you can possibly say. Mm-hmm. The other problem with that statement is that our word love is the same love for nachos that we would have for mm. our spouse as for our children. And there are different types of love. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, today I've already said I love you to three dudes. Um, and it, it wasn't like we have to be at a certain place in our relationship <laughs> where we have the DTR and, and yeah. those sorts of things. But I think the bigger question is um, when do you start saying the types of phrases um, that indicate that I want to move towards the marriage covenant hmm. and have that deeper sense of commitment to one another. And I would say you say those when it's authentic and you are moving toward uh, the the covenant marriage. So uh, the covenant of marriage. Um, and so if you can legitimately see yourself getting married to that person and you're moving that way, saying types of things that indicate that this is where I want to move feels very appropriate to mm. me. What would give us a couple examples of what that would look like? What, what do you mean? Like what would be some of the phrases that you would say that would be an indicator that you're moving forward in that relationship? Oh, so you want to know the smooth. I want to give us the, give us the way that Jim uh, woo Jenny. What were the phrases? I think the phrase said in a certain way, I love you is one of those phrases. Okay. But like saying, I love you and I could see myself being married to you hmm. and, um, you know, affirming the, some things about that person. But I think that word, that word can also be used that phrase or covenant type language can be used manipulatively mm-hmm. early on mm-hmm. and sometimes it can be used so what you're really trying to say is i'm i have strong attraction I've, i'm infatuated like those sorts of things and that it can be a little confusing mm-hmm. this is the one thing i would want to leave on um is that oftentimes in in dating relationships attraction is seen as this 
that is the pinnacle of what makes your decision. Yeah. Right. And, um, I think there should be some attraction. That's a good thing. Right. Um, but you can, you're attracted to a lot of people. Right. But a lot of times people view attraction as the meat and potatoes of dating and then ultimately marriage. But the reality is it's sugar. Hmm. Character. Um, friendship, you know, these, this is the meat and potatoes and the fruit of the spirit. That's the meat and potatoes. Sugar is, sugar is like, it's good. It makes things enjoyable. Mm-hmm. But if your whole diet is sugar, if that's what the whole thing is about, it's going to rot your teeth. Yeah. It's going to give you soul diabetes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but a little bit of sugar is nice, and you don't bemoan it. You say, hey, this is a good thing. I'm mm-hmm. glad it's here. Yeah. But you can live with varying amounts of sugar at different times. Mm-hmm. And so often what people think of as attraction or the spark or chemistry is just merely infatuation. Mm. What it is is it's the same chemical processes that go on in animals, that go on in us, that are saying, I want to propagate uh, the species with um, with this other person, yeah. right? Yeah. And God put that in us as something that draws us together. Mm-hmm. But that's the same thing that happens with animals. And what we're called to is something higher and more beautiful and richer mm. than what draws two squirrels together, Mm. you know? So attract attraction, spark chemistry, whatever phrase you want to put in that it's good. It's Mm -hmm. a part of things. It's fine. It's going to come and grow in different amounts throughout dating and marriage, but it's not the meat and potatoes. It's not the main thing. Mm. So that's great. Um, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, the contrarian's guide to dating. Yeah, we appreciate your thoughts and taking the time to to answer all of my questions. Appreciate well, you. You ask good questions, so next time, next podcast, we'll hit us with some more. Okay. Thanks for listening to this episode of the All of Life podcast. To get more information on Redemption Church Tempe, you can download the Redemption Tempe app, or you can send an email to tempe at redemptionaz.com. 